Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Everybody, uh, this is Andy Richter. Uh, you have tuned in to another episode of the Three Questions, and I am talking today to uh, a fucking showbiz juggernaut, uh, <laughs> a, a, a force of nature, of showbiz nature. Uh, I'm talking to Bridget Everett. Hi there. Man, put that on a poster and frame it, please. Well, I'll send it to my mom. Now. You can now. <laughs> I can do it now. It's, it's, it's on the record. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing, uh, you know, great. Never better, as I like to say. <laughs> you you are, uh, to my knowledge, the first person I've interviewed to whom I can say, congratulations on your new show based on your own life. <laughs> That's got to be nuts. I mean, yeah, it's it's uh, it's sort of wild. I. I kind of feel like I'm in a I'm I'm just floating in a glass of milk right now. I don't know what's up, <laughs> what's down, what's happening, but uh but yeah, I don't know. HBO I guess had a little they had, had a little extra cash, so they threw it our way and we we, we took a stab at it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now what I'm talking about for people who don't know, uh, is the show Somebody Somewhere. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Some I get the I because I was I looked I was looking it up and I was like, someone sometime? I you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's somebody somewhere and there's only one episode out so far, which I saw last night. And it's really great. It's really, okay. it's, a, uh, it's, and I mean this in the best possible way. This is if for people who like things that evolve naturally and sort of that sort of unfold at a, at a sort of more natural pace, this is a great show. It's a very naturalistic show. Things happen at, you know, Kind of like in real life, but there's a lot of funny, sweet stuff in it. It's really great. And I, I just, how did it, how did it come about? Did you say, hey, I want to do a show about me? No. Make it about me. No. Let's just call it Bridget, uh, you know, with an exclamation point. <laughs> and like a little cutie emoji at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the hands like, you know, no, no, I, I got a deal with HBO and I called Carolyn Strauss. And if you don't know her, she's a, TV legend, and I just happened yeah. to be friends with her. And you know, she'd done like Game of Thrones and some other you right. know, bits and bobs, but um, a few things, a few things. But uh, we're friends, and um, you know, she recommended Paul and Hannah, our, our creators, and they pitched this idea about like a small town and this choir practice, and and a sister that's passed away, which I have a sister passed away, and they just really hit on a lot of themes that resonated for me, and. For somebody who is uh, not a trained actor, I thought it would be helpful um, to to have a found to have a foundation that I could relate to. Right. Um, 
So that's sort of how it started. And then we all got in the room and just hashed it out. And the closer it came to me, the, the I thought the better shot we would have, for at least, you know, as far as my abilities go. <laughs> right, right. Well, and also, too, it's, you know, there. I think that you, when you're setting out on an idea for a show like this, it's not, at least in my in my estimation, you can't just go with like a gimmick or you can't just go with even like a cast. You need to have some kind of, some kind of idea that you sense is like like a treasure map, you know, that's going to that that you know like okay, this is there's meaningful maybe a little heavy stuff in here, but it's going to unfold itself to us. Like you're going to discover things about this show and about this character that's you because, you know, you feel that as opposed to just being like, this is something that'll work or this sounds good or this has got, you know. Yeah. I, I think for me, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I wanted to do something. We all want to do something that felt like a, like a slice of life, you know, yeah. that was because to me, life is the most amusing and it's sad and it's funny and it's all, all those things, whatever. But you know, when I do my live shows, I have this thing I, I call slam, 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 tenor. It's like the banger, you do a banger, a banger, a banger, and then a ballad, you know, because uh-huh. it's, it's, it's about balance. And I've never been good at like a bump set spike joke, you know, writing. Right. And we didn't want to do anything that was like, I can't think of the word, but, you know, sort of snarky, snarky is a word. <laughs> that's yeah, the word. And yeah. I found it and that's what it is. Um, <laughs> and in real life, I'm kind of like a, a softy. Um, and it just felt like, I don't know. It just felt like what we wanted to do. I don't know. And then, and we just like, well, fuck, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and nobody watches, but we should really try to make something that feels as specific as possible. Now those initial, uh, those initial characteristics of the show that, that paralleled your life, was that just like a coincidence or did they kind of go, since you were pitching the show with these people, did they just did were they kind of already starting with you as a, as a model for this character? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the show is being developed for me and around me, and I think they they know of me or they've seen my shows, and they yeah. I've been I've been you know banging around that downtown New York performance world for a long time, so yeah, I think they're yeah. familiar with what uh, a lot of my material and stuff. But um, yeah, you know, there's they they really just like the thing, especially the thing about the sister, like when they threw in like the, she had a sister that's passed away. And my sister is so closely related to my relationship with, with singing. And like, I never would have thought to put those in a show. I never would have, you know, I I went around for many years in Hollywood. like, I don't know what to do with her. So, you know, I just sort of kept picking up bit parts, but yeah, they knew what to do with me. And then I don't know, we put it together, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, my sister died like 10 years ago or it's been longer now, but but she was like a constant cheerleader. So this sort of feels like a, a love letter to her and to singing to me. That's great. Um, yeah. I mean, I want to continue about that, but I do want to say, because you just said something uh, that strikes a nerve with me. Um, because especially, you know, like for artists, and, I, you know, I mean, I sometimes like I feel sometimes like to call myself an artist feels a little like it's like, you know, I mean, I, str- I struggle with the same thing. I you know, I've been on some pretty dopey stuff, you know, and, you know, done too many, uh, you know, commercial voiceovers for reach toothpaste to, to really or toothbrushes to really feel like, you know, I'm 
fucking, you know, I don't know, <laughs> Moliere a, or something, you know. That's a great gig, though. That's a great gig. Yeah, yeah. No shit. I, I mean, I got no, I listen, I have no personal qualms with it. But, and I do think, I do think, uh, but I do think of myself as an artist and I do think about mm-hmm. what I do as an art, even though, you know, and that there has to be some sort of personal clock of integrity. But what you just said of not knowing what to do with yourself and kind of waiting for somebody to know what to do with you, I relate to that so much because, I I mean, I just wasn't built to be like, here I, you know, I'm not fucking Charles Foster Kane, you know, I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm like, a you know, a middle child that was raised in a dysfunctional family that's like been concerned about like, what do you guys need, you know, forever. Yeah. So I'm never one to be like, Here's the perfect way, way to showcase myself. Um, and it's taken years for me to be okay with that, to not feel like somehow I wasn't working hard enough or not doing enough, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if, if you no, relate I, I to that. I, mean, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if you relate to that. But, but, I mean, you do so much of your own thing in a cabaret setting. I mean, is it but just by, the thing? By necess- necessity. Like, I... You know, when I first moved to New York, I got a job in a bus and truck tour uh, to get my equity card. And, you yeah. know, grateful for the experience, but uh, for me, it was hell. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be riding shoulder to shoulder in the back of a van, you know, driving from state to state, loading out a set. You know, I just didn't want to do that. I Yeah. So I started, you know, I was in karaoke bars and I, that's when I felt most empowered. I was on top of the bar, ripping my shirt off, spitting out, you know, liquor, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I felt al- alive. Yeah. And then and then I met somebody, um, this guy, Jason Egan, who runs a small theater in New York called Ars Nova. And he was like, I think you should do a show. And I just never even thought about it. Yeah. You know, so there's been a lot of people that have helped sort of help me put my one foot in front of the other. And mm-hmm. and I figured it out as I've gone along because there was, you know, I'm almost six feet tall. I'm sort of a post-athletic build. Um, I have a foul mouth. You what know, a wonderful way I, to, I'm going to start, I'm going to rip that off. I'm post-athletic. Yes. Because I've often heard like a football player gone to seed, you know, like, yeah. Yep. That's what it means. Big and lazy is sort of, you know. <laughs> oh my God. I was, I did a show in Australia years ago and I think the they called me fat and wild and I'm like, well, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it is one of those things like, why don't you let me say that instead of like yeah. you saying that on promotional yeah. material? Exactly. In a paper yeah. record. But um, yeah. anyway, uh, I can't remember what I was saying. I have no. Oh, you're, yeah. Uh, this, guy Egan, this guy, Egan, uh, oh, yeah. at the theater said you should do a show and you hadn't yeah. thought about it. So I, you know, around that time, you know, I was discovering this like cabaret world, downtown performance scene and like drag queens. And, you know, I lived in Kansas and went to school at Arizona State. So it wasn't like a wild performance scene in either place. Right, but right. It, I didn't. I, luckily, I fell in love with Debbie Harry as a kid and Barry Manilow and Bette Midler. And I, I wanted to be where, where they were, you know, New York. Right, so right. I moved there and then I found I I found all these people like Murray Hill and there's this drag queen who's passed away her name is sweetie who was just like so connected like she would always make me cry singing these like power battle uh, ballads but also just make me wet my pants laughing so immediately from the jump the things that i was responding to were things that made me laugh and cry sort of hand in hand you know those are my performance heroes and kiki and herb and all these people so yeah um i i don't know it's it's i'm not like you know there's these people during the pandemic that have been 
you know, posting every day. They got their social media managers. They're out there like they're working, 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 going, going, hustling, hustling, hustling. And that's not really me because I just haven't, I just never saw the path. Like I, I, I was like, I'm just going to keep sort of stumbling forward and hope for the best because yeah, I don't, yeah. because there's not a mold. I'm not like being, I, there's not like a Bridget Everett type, you know, like, you know, the post-athletic and whatnot. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, I always, I, I mean, I always feel like something about, and I, I wonder about this now because I'm a father of a 21-year-old and a 16-year-old, <laughs> and I always I, I feel like a common denominator of a lot of people that I know who have an ambition or just an idea of themselves, like as like, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to project. I envy those things. And I've noticed it always seems to me like there's somebody they're trying to impress. Like they have a father mm. who demanded something like a demanding father or a demanding mother. And like, Nobody ever demanded anything of me <laughs> other, other than like to take care of them emotionally. You know, they like they were never like, you got to go out and conquer the world or get into an Ivy League school. It was just like, um, where are you going? Come back. <laughs> you know? I, I, I started with similar experience. I'm the youngest of six kids. And so it was just sort of like being noticed was not a thing. Like they were all funnier than me. They were all louder than me, you know, and my my mom was a music teacher. So it was just like music was like kind of the, the common bond for all of us. And mm -hmm. when I was, you know, little, there'd be like, my favorite memories are standing around the piano. Some, you know, I was, my sister would always give me a little, a little nip of something, even though I was a kid, but we just, <laughs> we would just like laugh and sing. And like, I just sort of was like the, the little sister, you know? And then as I got older and I, like it became apparent that I was like the one with the voice <laughs> and, yeah. and then I, they started to notice me then, but, but I, I don't know, like maybe if anything, it's like, I could never get the high school, the, the lead in the high school musical. So I was just like, that sort of drove me, but, but I'm not like an overtly ambitious person. I know what makes me happy. So I'm driven to be happy. Yeah. Sometimes not, sometimes not actually, sometimes I like to just wallow in the misery, but, <laughs> but my, but my drive is, is to do something that makes me happy, which is just happens to be singing, which just happens to be show business. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not trying to become a household name. <laughs> yeah. There's not, yeah, there's, it's not a huge ego attached to it. It's just like, this is what I got to do. Cause it's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, if I, if I do a show and the audience like is, is, tepid you know they're or, or they're just sort of uh you know otherwise engaged <laughs> i'm just like i take that personally not because i'm trying to get somewhere but because i want them to enjoy the experience yeah you know similar to like you know sex i guess i don't know <laughs> you want the other person well, to enjoy the yeah, you want that, them to enjoy the ride that, yeah yeah that's that's a you know <laughs> that's a you know but you can't go down on the whole audience. You know, you got yeah, to. You know, I, I always I, I always think about it because, you know, like from being on a talk show for years too, people, yeah. you know, I would say it's got to be real. You got to be your your real self. But it's kind of like a real self of like when company's over, like you're not, you know, like you're mm -hmm. not yourself in your underwear on the couch. Yeah. You're yourself when you're concerned about other people in your space and making and taking care of them and making sure they're having a good time. Like, and that's, yeah. to me, it's just like, it's having company over, you know, and you just want to be nice, but you know, 
Also, they're not the fucking they're not the fucking star of this show in this house. It's me. It's my <laughs> house. Right. Yeah. Well, now the show and your uh, it takes place in Manhattan, Kansas, which is your real uh, hometown. And uh-huh. uh, yeah. and is that like the familiar home for generations, or you know? Well, I I was born and raised there. It's called the the Little Apple, and yeah. um, but they originally Paul and Hannah had set it in Emporia, Kansas, and we went to visit Emporia, and it felt just like a little too small. And K State's got it's a college town, it's where Kansas State is. Yeah. It's um, but it, it also has um the Big Red One. There's a military base right there, so there's a lot of different walks of life, and it's yeah, it's a college town, but it's conservative. I don't know. It just felt like. And I I do wonder, like, what happens, like, what would happen to me if I still lived there, if I never left Kansas, you know? Yeah. So that was kind of part of the, the the discussion of, you know, in the in the room, the writer's room, you know, as we were blowing it up, yeah. you know, mapping what, it out. What was, what was the town like for you growing up? I mean, what did you think of the town as, as a kid and, a, you know, as a place to grow up? I mean, it's a it's a great place, you know, ride your bikes, you know, all my my best friends were on the block, you know, we played kick the can and all that stuff. And then uh, you can have a driver's license at 14. Um, so I had a why? car when I was 14. What? You, why? Why? You, because at 14, you can drive to work and school because I guess because of farm kids. Oh, um, right. So they have to, you know, legalize across the other car when I was 14 years old. And then in high school, you know, we go to keg parties at the lake and I had good friends and I loved show choir and I was on the swim team and student council sort of, but I also never felt like I fit in. But as far as, you know, just cause I was kind of wild and had a blue sense of humor and always got in trouble for being a little too much, a little too loud, a little too this, that, and the other. And so, you know, and, and that, as that sort of happened, <laughs> I started feeling like the sort of like, and just in life, like, you know, I was told, be a lady or be humble, keep your head down. So, but the real me is the one that you see on stage that wants to just be loud with my tits going all over the place and just laughing, drinking. And, you know, the, the girl singing at the piano with the family, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. that's the best. Yeah. So I don't know. I've, I've totally not answered your question. I just. No, I, no, I, you, you, I, no, I, I, that was a good answer. I mean, you know, cause it is <laughs> no, because uh, you know, your hometown, especially if you're, even slightly weird, you know, it can go from, from being a comfortable, safe sort of, you know, cozy pocket to sit in to like just a too tight sweater that, you know, itchy and makes you feel like, you know, makes you feel fat because it's like, it doesn't fit. (laughs) And, you know, and you just like, feel like everyone's looking at you. And it's, you know, I used to, I mean, because when I was in high school, I used to, I used to just have these like, just grandiose moments of just despair with what the fuck? Why am I feeling like this? What is that? You know? Yeah. And then it just like, I got out of town. I was like, Oh, I just should have gotten out of that town. Like I just like that, just the the sameness of it and the littleness of it. And, and, you know, frankly, kind of the small mindedness of it too. Uh, The sameness of it, you know, like there's just, like in my town, especially, there was no diversity. Everybody was white and me. Yeah, and, was you know, very white where I grew up too. And yeah. then it's interesting. Like some of the people that have reached out to me since they've seen the show, like, have told me their experiences growing up in Kansas. I mean, you never know, obviously, what's going on behind closed doors. But yeah, you know, it's yeah. just it's interesting to 
to hear, I, I've, I've really been enjoying it. And it's like very moving to hear what some, you know, other, you know, different people have gone through. Anyway, I was going to say something. I already lost my train of thought. It's not That's because I'm just not an intellect. I'm not, you know, my brain sort of just wanders around. It's like little, it's like little COVID bubbles. It's just sort of looking for the next place to land. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> this, this, yeah. I mean, it's just a, first of all, it's just a fucking podcast. Right? It's just a fucking podcast. It's just a podcast. <laughs> I mean, We're just a couple on. of post-athletic kids out here kicking the ball That's around right. the field. Right. You know, <laughs> it, this, uh, the, today, the main thing this podcast is for me, an excuse to have taken my dog to daycare. So you don't have to hear her barking. <laughs> Amazing. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> and then, you know, and I, you know, and my son actually was here. He, he uh, passed out here last night after he came over. He's a college student at USC. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and so whether, when I leave here to be done with the podcast, it'll be a mystery of if he's here and we're going to lunch or if he's <laughs> <laughs> disappeared back into his college kid ether. Oh, I love those days. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just I just thought of something that you said about leaving. Um, I just wanted to circle back to. Sure, sure. Because I, I think like when I when I I knew I wanted to leave, I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just knew I wanted to get out, right? Of my yeah. hometown. And I auditioned and I got a scholarship to Arizona State. And I you remember my family started being like, Well, why do you, like why do you need to leave? But I was like, Is it why do I need to leave or why do I get to leave? You know, I, I don't right, know. What right. the, yeah. But yeah. The, the thought was, but and I did, you know, my time in Arizona, that was, that was, you know, fun too, big party school. But it wasn't until I got to New York where I feel like I met my people, you know, yep. and I finally, and as popular as I was in high school and I had a lot of friends in college, I just never felt like I fit until I found a bunch of these sort of misfits here in New York. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I think that is, um, it's something that, you know, I mean, cause these conversations, on this show, you know, they're sort of in a template and something I have heard time and time again from creative people and that like the most important step in their development is finding their tribe, finding. Yeah. I mean, that's just what I've ended up calling it because um, I definitely had that leaving a small town. And then I went into Chicago. I, well, I started at uh, University of Illinois, big, big mm -hmm. 10 school. Then I transferred to film school in Chicago, Columbia College, and felt like, oh, okay, like all these weird kids with black lipstick, <laughs> like they're 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 like me. They just have black lipstick, and I'm happy yeah. to be wearing like a, you know a, a Lacoste shirt or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but we're Lacoste. but we're basically the same, you know. Yeah. And then even beyond that, once I was out of school and started doing improv, then it was like, oh my god, yes, this is yeah. You know, then I really felt. And it was such, it was like a natural antidepressant for like a, at least a year, you know, until yeah. I needed the real thing again. Um, yeah, but yeah, like it's, what, it's magical. It's really, it's magic, you know, yeah. yeah. I remember I, I you know, I'm, I met Murray Hill who plays Frederick Coco on the show, but, you know, he's one of my long old time friends and he's like just this, you know, showbiz, you know, bigger than life, yes. sort of cat, cat skill style comedian. And, and I was just like, oh my God, like, this 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 is my person, and then I was doing another. Uh, I was at another thing, and then this friend of mine, his name is Neil Medlin. He came out and he was like wearing a sweater, and that was it. And I was like, Dick was hanging out. <laughs> he was just singing some sweet country song, step touch, step touch, whatever. But 
I was so like, oh my God, this, these are the people I've been waiting for my whole life. Like, just like yes. a, a crop, a crop sweater with his tallywhacker, you know, right, flopping right. around. I was like, God bless, God bless New York City. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, nothing, it's, in the right context, nothing can be funnier than a surprise penis. It's, it's, it's often, it's, you know, it's a, it's a real risk. (laughs) You really are like, you know, swinging for the fences when you, when you use your dick for comedic effect, but when it works, it really works. No, nobody does it better than Neil Bedlin. I tell you, I I just, it just fucking, it just blew the top of my head right off. And I, and it was just. Just like, and, and it, it it really informs like my relation, that and my mom who used to go to the grocery store without a bra on and like a very paper thin nightgown and a winter coat and like yeah, stuff yeah. around her slippers and just like, it's just, they're just tits. It's just your body. Like who fucking cares? Right. Like, right. Just, right. Um, when in real life, I'm probably a little more, you know, whatever, but it just, to me, like bringing the, the, the human body into the human experience of, of show business is that. Uh, one done right is is really fucking funny. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, but that, you know, also it's because, you know, like, <laughs> like it's also like the the beauty and the grossness of the human body are yeah. absolutely, they're like, I'm, I'm putting my fingers together and interlacing them. Like they are just inescapably connected. Like the oh, grossness, yeah. the gross hilarity of the human body is also kind of the beauty of the human body. And it's kind of, exactly. a lot of people don't understand how those all can be together. Like, you know, like, you know, like your lover's fart is like, oh, <laughs> it's the best. I love it. Oh, I kind of actually like to smell too, you know, just <laughs> exactly. all these weird things that happen because we're just fucking apes. We're like, you know, these weird, <laughs> this weird troop of apes. It's probably too smart for its own good. Yeah. <laughs> um, now you mentioned your mom because just something you know they do kind of a quick little research thing for me, uh-huh. and there was something about your mom packing all your, that your folks are split up, and your mom packed mm-hmm. all the kids into the car to sort of tail your dad. Oh well, I wouldn't say all of them because it would be me and my brother Brock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, then it, yeah, and, it was. It, the research go, was pumped up a little. No, no, no. Well, believe me, you know there was. Uh, so we would. Yeah, get in the car and like after my mom was all lit up, you know, on Cuddy Stark or whatever. And oh boy, just sort of, you know, bobbing and weaving through traffic. But of course, you know, drinking and driving was still cool back in those days. So <laughs> we would we'd always end up back outside of my dad's place and just sort of sitting there while she chain smoked. And then there was one time that, you know, he in the divorce, he got like two hutches and a smoker, like a, you know, like the, like an old 70s style smoker, um, yeah. little tiny barbecue kind of thing. And he had it on his back patio. And we pulled up, we sat there for a while. And my mom said, All right, Brock, get out of the car and go get me that smoker. <laughs> so he just <laughs> goes up there, gets the smoker, it's coming back. You see my dad sort of like peeking out the curtain and just shaking his head. And Brock's like, Ah, <laughs> oh my gotta God. do what mom says. So yeah, I don't yeah. know, but. And then we were down at his office one time, stock, stalking him. My dad's law partner came around the corner and was like, Freddie, get out of the bushes. Get out of the bushes. I mean, it's, you know, those were yeah. very, uh, my, those are my formative years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are things to laugh about now, but you, uh, you know, because I mean, I have plenty of those too in it, but you, I do kind of end up being like, yeah, but that's really, really unhealthy. All of that I know. is like, and then I'm it's like, like 
so fucking unhealthy and so unfair to children, you know, like. I know. I've, I spent like a lifetime being like, why can't I trust anyone? Yeah. Why can't I be in a healthy, loving relationship? <laughs> I guess <laughs> here today talking to Andy Richter that I discovered the reason why. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's because. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, it it's like. There, uh, being a parent now, like uh, there was so much stuff that when I had a kid and it seemed like when the kid was still wet from coming out, like inst- <laughs> instantly hit with all these sort of like revelations of things that were done, uh, you know, you could say to me or done, you know, mm. that happened to me. Uh, that I'm just like, oh my God, that was terrible. Like, I would <laughs> never do that. I would, holy yeah. shit, that was, that's <laughs> fucked up. Like, you know, let the kid be a kid. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the time, I mean, was there was there laughter to cope with this kind of stuff? I mean, the, the and was oh. the turmoil of the house breaking up? Was it, I mean, it sounds angry Ma- but i mean was it ugly or i mean and you, we also don't have to talk about it at all no no it's it, yeah it's okay you know my family my has like this absolutely brutal sense of humor like making yeah. fun of each other until somebody would cry and it would usually either be me or my sister my oldest sister Britton, who's now passed away but right but you know and we all had these like my nickname was Fang because I had one front tooth, but like it was just like always, and they called me Lurch because I had these broad shoulders from swimming, but they like we're just always, always making fun of each other. And it's just, even now we have a family Zoom that we started, um, you know, during the pandemic or at the beginning of the pandemic because my mom went to a nursing home. So we, even now it's just like the the brutal humor. And I have like, I'm like very sensitive, <laughs> you know, compared to my, brothers and sisters who can laugh at anything. When my dad died, we went to the um to the the chapel, whatever, and he was cremated and they were trying to put him in the the wall, whatever the yeah. fucking thing is there. Yeah, and they yeah. couldn't get him in. So they were like sort of hammering him in. And my dad's, you know, third wife and and their family, they're just weeping. And my family is laughing so hard and people are wetting their pants because they're laughing so hard. <laughs> just, so like laughter has always been the coping coping mechanism yeah Um, and and i guess drinking too (laughs) (laughs) want to make mom's day get to your nordstrom rack now and score amazing deals for mother's day which is sunday may 12th find tons of gifts from only 30 dollars at nordstrom rack fragrance jewelry luxury bags activewear beauty and more save on kate spade new york Stuart weitzman and ted baker london Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Were you homecoming queen or something like that? Yeah, but nobody, nobody thinks that's cool. You know, it's not cool to be homecoming queen. <laughs> I was, I was, I was prom king, and it's all that I think is cool about me. So, <laughs> but I do, I do preface it by saying, you know, prom was in the spring, and everyone who had been on homecoming court was disqualified from prom. Yeah. So I was always like, it made me the sixth most popular boy in school. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like it's not like I was this the king of spring. I just was like, yeah. no, no. They got the other five out of yeah. the way and then it was You'll my take turn. what's left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, my you know, my brother Brock is like closest to me in age. He he was also a homecoming king and he we were very similar in the way that we're kind of like friends with everyone and friends with no one in a way. You know, like just yeah. that and, you know, I think in, because of what we were going through at home, it was just sort of keep everything surface, try to make people laugh and just spin, spinning plates, spinning plates, spinning plates. And and um, so, yeah, you never really get you don't get too deep with that many people, but you uh, you have a lot of friends and they're like, oh, I know Bridget. I'll check her name. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I th- yeah, I think I was this I was just kind of the same. way. I got along with everybody like there was, yeah. you know, when there were divisions in our school and I, I went to a tiny school, relatively speaking. And there was a division, especially among jocks and burnouts. Like yeah. that was that was the huge one was like you either were a jock or a burnout. And I could sort of, you know, I was like a diplomat. I could go back and forth between the group. Yeah. You know? well, because I came from a house of conflict, I I always wanted to everybody to get along and to get yeah, along yeah. with everybody. I didn't yeah. want any any problems. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that, I think that was probably just easier to to be friends with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, the one thing about the show that um that is really sweet, but uh, it also makes me go like, is this true? Is this like kind of wonderful, loving, inclusive uh inclusive uh like queer community in the little town in your show? And did yeah. that exi- does that exist in Manhattan, Kansas, for real that you know of, or is it no? A, is that no. part of the fantasy? Just because <laughs> it's a TV show, so it's like let's make everyone have a happy place. Well, I, I think that there are, you know, communities obviously in small towns across the the country that are very, you know, that are welcoming in that way. But I this in my case in Manhattan, there's not a gay bar as far as I know in yeah. Manhattan, Kansas. That is there's. You know, I have uh, friends from home, uh, you know, there are people that are, that I didn't go to school with, but that have, you know, landed in Manhattan, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And, and just listening to their experience, I don't think that something like choir practice as it exists in somebody somewhere exists there. Um, but I think it's also just important to think about, well, what if it did? <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of. Yeah, no. And, and I do think that, you know, people find each other, obviously. Um, so it's, a, it's yeah, it's, it was a little bit of a, a fantasy, you know. Anyway, blah, blah, but blah. Why, but I'm, why I'm, not? I mean, why not have it be, you know, I mean, 
you know, because the story is obviously going to take place in Manhattan. So you need a place for the character to be happy because yeah. you're the character's yeah. not going to Arizona State. You know, the yeah, character exactly. the character's not moving to Manhattan. So, yeah. you know, I think no, I think that like. I I'm always been a big propo- I've always been a big proponent of especially in comedies, too, like. And it drives me nuts sometimes watching movies where people think, oh, the comic relief is that these people are arguing all the time or insulting yeah. each other all the time. Whereas, like, I'm always like, well, how about we see people being nice to each other? We, and I mean, we we said we actively did not want to do something snarky. We actively yeah. we wanted to do something like um, because, again, like coming from the sort of home life I had and and the background I had, it's it's the. People that I found in New York, like the warm fucking emo, you know, in touch with their feelings and that, that, that saved my life, you know? And so I want to, I want to show like a little slice of, we all want to show a slice of like what those people can do for you and how, and, and the central relationship in the show, I didn't want it to be like, beast man falls in love, changes life. I, I wanted it to be as we all wanted it to be. It's she, she finds a friend and, you know, like when you, when you first meet and fall in love with a friend, like that free fall and, and letting go and sort of trusting that person. I had a friend like that in New York and, 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 and he really like, I met him. And I was just like, oh my God, this, you know, I just was so in love with him in, a, in, a, in complicated ways sometimes too, because I'd never felt like somebody that like, just, he just was so open and he, and he loved me. And like, when I was being so mental and like trying to grow through some of my emotional challenges, like he, he stayed. And I was like, but why? <laughs> like, why do you still want to be my friend? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, to there to be that relationship. And as the series progresses, you know, should you continue to watch, you'll see some of that. But, um, but I, I don't know. I, I just, um, I'm, I, I love watching a comedy with like great joke writing and whatever. That's not my strength. I don't think that's the strength of our, particular team we just wanted to just unfold a very naturalistic real slice of life with a few fantasy elements uh dropped in sure 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 (laughs) no i think i think it's really because it is like it's exciting for the character because you know because that the episode up until that point is you know you're kind of getting a list of like the strikes against the character yeah. And then at the end, we get this weird little secret conclave that's like, oh, this will be, you know, this is the light shining through the darkness. I And it's like, yeah. it's definitely, I'm excited to see just all the, you know, all the kind of beautiful weirdness that, that'll happen with those people. So I think it's, yeah. I, I, I endorse it. I think it's great. Thank um, you. But I mean, it'd be weird <laughs> if I didn't. It would be a would real be. Con- conversation killer. <laughs> Like, well, you know, Andy, the notion <laughs> that choir practice thing sucks. Um, um, can we, uh, do, do you mind talking about your sister that passed and just telling us a little bit? Because you mentioned her being your inspiration for music and just. Well, you know, my, you know, my mom is also like a big inspiration for music. She's a music teacher. She was mm-hmm. like always thought that. I was special, like when it came to singing and things like that. So she really encouraged that. But the thing about my sister, Britton, who passed away from, she had cancer. She actually died about 2008, but she 
When I was like floating around, waiting tables, doing karaoke, but starting to like make these small appearances in New York, she was so happy for me and she was so thrilled. And she really encouraged me. And I started doing this show at that theater called Ars Nova, called At Least It's Pink. And like some of the songs were just filthy, you know, yes. <laughs> like about butts and gut and vaginas and whatever else. And she yeah, was yeah. just so thrilled, but I wouldn't share them with her because I, I, I would just be crushed if she thought they were stupid, you right, know, and then, it, right. and then it became, and then it became too late. So, you know, that's difficult for me, but, um, yeah, I just loved her. She was, she was the sweet one in our family, the really loving, super funny, but just like, you know, because we all had this like sort of aggressive, you know, attack sort of sense of humor. She always made sure I was okay. So she's the oldest and I was the youngest. And I just, I just adored her. Yeah, yeah. How, well, how much of an age spread? 14 years. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, no wonder your mom went to the grocery store in her nightgown. <laughs> yeah. She was too fucking exhausted to get dressed. Oh, my God. She just wow. wiped out. And, and Brittany, you know, she was like shorter than all of us. And she had like one B cup and one C cup. And you know, she just like, and, you know, she had these like skinny little legs and my brothers called her nine irons. And, you know, they're just, like, <laughs> just this constant, like emotional warfare, but she was really something special. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you leave town, when you go to your first time out, I guess is Arizona state. I mean, mm -hmm. is even though you're happy to get out and you're aware at that time of getting out, are you scared? I mean, does it scare you? Like, is it still like leaving that sort of safety area that, you know, like your nest? It, does it kind of yeah. scare you too much or? Yeah. Well, first of all, I barely had the money to scrap, scrap together to sort of live there, you know, moment to moment. But yeah, yeah. But there was also like the, my mom and I were super codependent. I didn't know anybody. I just went, actually, I knew one friend, my friend Angie Reed went there, but, um, and she, was in the school of music too. So she sort of kept an, an eye out, but it, yeah, it was really scary. I'd never been, you know, other than like the surrounding States around Kansas, I hadn't really been anywhere. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was like sort of like a big European vacation only it was Arizona and it was uh, sunny and the guys were super hot. <laughs> <laughs> and it was party time. And, and my dorm had a pool. I was like, Oh, fuck what? <laughs> oh my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That was good. That was Yeah. Good. <laughs> the only, the only thing I know about this is just, it's, it's a party school. That's all you ever hear is that it's a party school, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a wonderful thing to take away. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's like, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's better than being like a boring, you know, like a not oh, party no, I, school. I, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm just sure. I was like, oh, I'll be getting calls. Oh, she just thinks it's a party school, but it was, and that's a great thing. And I, and yeah, yeah. Any, anybody that goes there that doesn't know that is kidding themselves. <laughs> right, exactly. And also, uh, you know, I left college feeling like the main thing I had accomplished was like gotten to know myself as an as a separate entity out in the world, like a baby yeah. grown up. And then yeah. the other thing was figuring out drugs and alcohol, like just like, <laughs> you know, like how much could I take? What was good? What was bad? What was right for me? And then because I, I, I felt I literally had the feeling like the summer I got out of college, like I'm actually kind of ready to learn something now. Like I'm actually yeah. ready to kind of like look at different read a book now, you know, as opposed yeah. to just be like 
can you take three hits of acid? Let's find out, you know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can, you can, but it makes it hard to move furniture the next day when you for your job. Uh, good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you were in the music school, right? Yeah, yeah. I studied yeah. vocal performance, like opera, and I it paid for my degree. I'm so happy that I had the opportunity, but I, you know, like my you got to take all these different languages, French, German, and Italian. And I just couldn't retain anything. I was yeah. out partying. Um, and my voice is the kind of voice that, you know, I can't drink or it won't sound crystal clear. You don't have the crystal clear, clear tone. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. basically I found a career that suited my lifestyle. Because <laughs> 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 cover, there's nobody telling me, like, if my voice doesn't sound good, nobody gives a fuck. They're just like, right. you know, just make us laugh or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but my friend, I have a, a friend that's um, uh, in this, well, what are they called? Il Devo? Is that the name of the band? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Yeah, those yeah, hunky friend, guys. Those hunky guys, yeah. yeah. Well, my, my friend David is the tenor in that group, and he can drink and smoke, and he still has just the most incredible, clearest, beautiful tenor in, 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 in the world. Probably the most impressive voice I've heard standing in front of me. And then he can just, you know, smoke a cig, drink a... Uh, martini if i do that you know i'm on the sidelines for six weeks <laughs> yeah i'm yeah I, I don't even sing and i'm the, but i have to talk for a living and i'm the same way like i had to quit yeah when i finally quit smoking it was just because i was it was interfering with my work i was having to like yeah. i couldn't speak at for yeah. time, you know like cold and flu season at least two or three times a year while i was smoking cigarettes i would lose my voice and then it was amazing i quit smoking cigarettes well, not so much of a problem anymore. Yeah, what a, what yeah. a surprise. Um, I never smoked, but I did like to go to bars and like this, just literally the smoke inside yes. the bar. I would lose my voice from that. Of course. You know, so. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm a sensitive baby girl. Oh, meet <laughs> me. Yeah. Well, baby chick. Uh, artist. Um, well, now were the music people, did you feel like a kinship to them? I mean, was were they sort of your type? You know, I mean, I like them, but they're just pursuing something that was I'd never I felt out of step with it. You know, yeah. I I again, like I like people get along with people, but they wanted to do like opera, music theater. And I thought that I did because that's where I was. And that's what I was telling myself. Um, and I'm still, you know, friendly with a lot of those people. But but they they just weren't my my peeps. I was, they yeah. weren't my peeps yet. Um, my peeps are. A little weird. And yeah, I, yeah. I kind yeah. of fucked up, and I, I don't know. I guess I like that. <laughs> so, so when you get out of school, what I mean, do you stay there? Do you, you know? Do you... I stuck around for a couple of years. I was uh, a waitress at the original PF Chang's. Sorry to brag. Um, wow. <laughs> you mean the first one in the country? Yeah, it's Scottsdale Fashion Square. Um, wow. And we had a lot of um, sports regulars. Charles Barkley was a big regular there, and he would bring in all these sports stars from different, you know, I, I remember one night he brought in a table and this other waitress, like she didn't want to take the table cause they were, it was just, she was too intimidated. So she's like, do you want to? I was like, sure. It was, it was Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Payne Stewart, Ahmad Rashad. Um, I'm forgetting somebody else. It was just like all like, yeah. you know, sports heroes Legends. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Legends. And, and Anyway, Charles Barkley became a regular, and then so did um, some baseball stars because they did their, you know, their spring training there. Um, and I got to know a bunch of the St. Louis Cardinal guys, Mark McGuire, and then Dusty Baker was also a regular there. So I started singing the national anthem at some of their games, which oh, was like, wow. uh, I was like, this is 
this is the shit. You know, I felt really cool. Yeah. Um, and then in the summertime, I went to work um, for about, for many years uh, at this resort in Maine called Quisasana, which is sort of like a dirty dancing kind of style of resort. Mm-hmm. And you would wait tables during the day and sing in shows at night. And that's where I started to meet, um, you know, these uh, young uh, adults that were like from conservatories across the country, you know, they would come there like from Oberlin or from Eastman School of Music or uh, Cincinnati Conservatory of Music. And they're like just stars and like they come and sing in these shows and we just like summer camp. So they had these goals and aspirations of moving to New York. And I was like, well, I've always kind of wanted to do that. What am I doing in Arizona? I'm really only singing at karaoke bars and sometimes the national anthem and spring training game. There's there's probably more out there for me if I just tried. <laughs> so one summer I just fucking did a quiz and I went right to New York and I just sort of landed there. Um, yeah. Again, because uh, I wanted to be where Debbie Harry was. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Have you gotten to meet her since? Yeah, a couple times. Um, and uh, she is probably the most beautiful one of the top five most beautiful specimens on the face of the planet. Like her yeah. bone structure is just, and she's just so cool. It's like, I don't deserve to be near you. She just, <laughs> you know, and I did a show and I remember I, I heard that Debbie Harry was going to come and I was like, whatever you do, nobody, just don't tell me, don't tell me that she's coming. Um, and uh, anyway, we had audience plants for this particular show at, at, at Ars Nova. Uh, it's called Elisa's Pink. And the audience plant goes up to take a seat. And he comes running back down. He's like, holy shit, Debbie Harry's here. Let's have a great show. And I just like, oh, places. Oh. <laughs> he didn't <laughs> get the memo. Yeah. yeah, he didn't get the memo. But you, you look out, it's a 99 seat theater, theater and she has a shock of, you know, platinum blonde hair. You can't miss yeah, her, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even in the dark, she sounds like a diamond. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's probably better than, I think like somebody like that, if you spot them in the audience while you're like in the middle of singing something, that's probably... I think, think that's more flexing yeah. than getting it, it, a shot of it right before, you know. Oh, which which has happened to me. I was floating around an audience one time and I'm singing, singing, singing. I have this song called Titties where I'm singing about all different kinds of tits. And, you know, I turn and I'm, you know, motorboat people or whatever. And I like turn around, I go to <laughs> motorboat somebody and it was fucking glorious Dynam. And I was like, cut the track, <laughs> cut the track, cut the track. Glorious Dynam is here, cut the track. And nobody, I didn't know that she was coming. It was like... Kathy and Jimmy had brought her, and Kathy and Jimmy was a big enough deal to me too. It was just right, like, what the right. fuck is happening? So, um, you know, all what are what are you gonna do? Showbiz, right? You just yeah. roll with it and keep going. And what are those? Fir- what are those first days in New York like when you land there? I mean, do you know anybody? I knew these people from Quisasana, so oh, I just from other, camp, yeah, yeah, just from that sort of summer job situation, and but not really, and I just floundered and I just I met my friend Zach the one I was speaking of a little bit ago that you know this like emotionally available friend and yeah yeah and uh, I met him pretty pretty soon after I moved to New York and I was like oh this is this is who I've been looking for you know um and he took me he was the one that took me to see Kiki and Herb for the first time on you know and, and Murray Hill and some of these other shows and Sweetie my favorite drag queen and and he he showed me the world and it makes yeah. sense because he that the things that make him so happy are the things that make me happy. So he just was he was just sharing with me like, look at this, look at all these bright, shiny colors. You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. So that was so thank God I met it's it's sort of like 
New York had been waiting for me and I, and he had been waiting. I mean, I know that that's not true, but you know, just like, I just, it just, I was like, what the fuck am I doing moving to New York? You know, I was there for a month, sort of just like this huge city, no money. I moved with like, you know, maybe $500 or something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. What neighborhood and, did you move to and how did you pick it? Um, I just, I, a friend, my friend Troy Cook, who was an opera singer, had got a gig and was like, do you want to, you know, sublet my apartment for a month? So I did that. And, yeah. and I, soon after that is when I met Zach because I went to a party with my friend, um, uh, a Carnegie Mellon alum, and we were looking for an ex-boyfriend of mine that we used to call Can of Corn because he had these big, thick fingers. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I bet there's a song about that. <laughs> but I didn't find Can of Corn, but I did meet Zach. And so, um, so every, you know, Arizona State led me to Quisasana, which is that summer job, which led me to to New York, which led me to Zach, which led me to to all the you know, the, the downtown performance and cabaret world. So it just took me a while to find it, but eventually I got there. Yeah. Yeah. Now when the guys, uh, the guy from Mars Nova says you should do a show, mm -hmm. uh, what, what do you think? Like, what, what do you think? Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Or, you know, I was do like, you what do you mean? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. Like, so, you know, and he, it was a new, their, their whole thing is, um, like Billy Eichner was there at the same time and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I don't know if you've heard of either one of them. I don't, know? Yeah, don't, I don't know them. I don't know them. <laughs> Lynn was doing Freestyle Love Supreme and Billy was doing creative, uh, Creation Nation. And then I was doing At Least It's Pink. It was sort of just, it's for emerging artists. The theater's for emerging artists and they sort of help give you resources to help you figure out what your thing is. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure out what my thing is. So initially I was just telling stories and singing some covers and some really bad original songs. And, but I, after I did my first show, I remember Jason running down the stairs into the green room. I was like, Oh my God. Like he saw in me what I couldn't see in myself. And I just sort of was like, well, I guess there's something there. I should keep at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well now, uh, I just got a little note that you, you got to get going. Um, so I'll move on to like what what is I'm got, okay. I, I got I got a little time. It's okay. Okay. That but no, but I, I but I mean I you know, I mean I'm not going to okay. hang up on you right now, but I mean we're you know, but <laughs> okay. but I, I'll head towards it cuz I'm going to switch to the second of these questions, which is where are you going? And I mean, I guess you're at you know, to ask someone in your situation which is brand new show, mm -hmm. very much imprinted with your identity. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, do you just kind of feel like you're in a holding your breath kind of space or do you have yeah. like concrete plans? What goes on after this? No, 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 no plans. Literally no plans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I um, I have, you know, I it's sort of like this feels like, well, I've I'm I've done, I'm doing this now. You know, it's, yeah. it's always just the way I've done it. Just like, well, I'm doing this now. And then, then what's next? But yeah, I hope I get to do this for a while. I hope we get another season. I hope that, um, and you know, other than that, I'm going on the internet to petfinder.com and looking for, uh, <laughs> another, uh, another rescue Pomeranian. Like my, that's how my, you know, I've got five goals, I think for 2022. And one of them is to, you know, to, cause I lost my dog last June and I want to get a, I want to, hop back up on the horse, fall back yeah, in love yeah. before it all, but before it all goes on, on lock again. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, they make, they make a huge difference in your life. Yeah, huge um, difference. So, so you've never been somebody that's like, like, here's my game plan. Here's my, you know, 
it just Mm-mm. like there's not yeah i i'm kind of the same way i, I mean i want to like, planning I wanna always be, falls apart yeah. anyway so you yeah well it does like remain reactive yeah exactly you know it's like the more i care about it the less chance is that, that it will that it will thrive and survive um yeah, or survive yeah. and thrive um i mean I, I i don't know you know we've recorded songs i so i could put out an album you know i i i just um I, you know, I just want to do things. I mean, that sounds so. Well, of course, I'd love to like cash in and make some money. You know? yeah, <laughs> of yeah. course, I'd love, Absolutely. I'd love to do that. But, but ultimately, I have so much uh, uh, self doubt and so much just, uh, uh, you know, all those sorts of things and struggle with, you know, self confidence, self worth, and those things. So I, I really have to do something that that feels right and that feels like I'm going to succeed. Otherwise it's a house of cards. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Yeah. In, in every way. So, so probably not a cool, good answer, but that's, those are the facts. No, I, <laughs> I, I it, it, it's, it's, it, it makes sense to me. Cause it's, I mean, if you asked me the same question, it would kind of be the same. It would be like, yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess kind of do more of the same, but get paid more for it. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much it, you know, and uh, die a long time from now happy, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what do you what do you think? Uh, what do you think somebody looking at the Bridget Everett story? What do they think? What do you think they'll take away from it? Where what would you like them to take away from it? Like what the what's the point of it all? Um Big tits, money nose, trim ankles, can't lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Look good on a t-shirt. Um, I think you know the more you, the more you are yourself, the better. You know, just I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I've, I've just been tumbling along the way and figuring it out as I go. But, but the right turn is always the one where I take a chance on myself. So I think that that's. That's the ultimate takeaway from the Bridget Everett story. Take a chance on yourself. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Well, I like it. I and that's a great <laughs> place to end this. Um, thank you so much for uh, for taking time uh, to talk thank to you. me. Thank you. And uh, and good luck on the show. Everybody, check it out. Somebody somewhere. It's on HBO Max. I don't know. A, a regular HBO. You know. Just, yeah, both of them. Yeah, both of come them. on. Um, uh, but it's really it's really a sweet show and I really enjoyed it and I look forward to watching more. And uh I hope to see you around campus someday soon, Bridget. Uh yeah, why not? To, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> all right, we have a good one. And thank all of you out there for listening to another episode of the Three Questions. I'm Andy Richter. I will be back next week. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.